there's there's some type of desire to to in a lot of men a lot of uh, people that preach these types of things to have uh, this result and once again it goes back to all the examples that we've been talking about it's a pride aspect mm. it's I'm the top dog here, or I have this title here, or it's me here. And so now I'm supposed to be the one that's supposed to be like a new Moses. Mm-hmm. And I have to do, uh, I have to have my Moses or Jesus moment where yeah. I do a miracle or I do something so that way I can confirm my ministry, when, which that's not, that's not the point of it. Because I'd be worried about yourself while you still be down and you got a soul. Like you need to see to believe these things, but you believe things that you've never seen, like feelings and hopes and dreams. Future emotions and gravity, and sadly, everything you rejecting makes this whole life a tragedy. And I got something to say, I got something to say, I got something to say. Welcome to the Milk and Me podcast. I'm Andrew Krimkovich, and I have with me my brothers. So, Aldo Beltran, LJ, and Carlos. And we're going to be doing uh, part five of our Theology Proper series. The last two episodes, we did the incommunicable attributes. And now we're going to do the communicable attributes. I think we can get this all done in one episode. We'll see. Um, so we'll start just with defining our terms. An attribute is a quality, character, or characteristic ascribed to someone or something. Uh, so when we describe God, it's not that he's necessarily made up of parts. God is God is simple, not 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 dumb or not inadequate, but simple in the fact that uh, he is one God. He isn't made up of multiple little parts that all make up like 10%, 10%, 10%. But he has these descriptions that we we can point to concerning him. And those are his characteristics, his attributes. But they are all fully 100%, always ongoing, nonstop. They're fully in motion at all times. God is always love. God is always sovereign. God is always holy. God is always these things. And... When people try to break down and explain the attributes, it's not that they're dividing God, it's that they're just finding our human finite way of pointing to the things that pertain to God, the things that we can notice through Scripture, uh, even through His power in creating all of this world. Uh, So what we wanted to do is just give a quick recap of the last two episodes. So the attributes that we went through were aseity, Um, which is his self-existence, sovereignty, which is his supremacy and authority, Uh, infinity, um, and we broke that down into all of the omnis, the omnipotence, omniscience, omnipresence, his eternity, and his perfection. Um, Also, his immutability, which means he does not change, and his impassibility, meaning that he is not, uh, he's not passive in this world, he is not being acted upon externally. So his moods, emotions don't fluctuate the way ours do. He doesn't change his mind as if he had to make a different decision that wasn't already pre-planned. He's fully ordained what he will do. He's already decreed these things, and he's working out his plan in a way that we can't put into any other words without going into assumptions. So... Um, those are the attributes that pertain strictly and entirely to God. Those are the incommunicable attributes. He doesn't share those with creation. He doesn't share with anybody. But there are attributes that God does share with mankind, and those are considered the communicable attributes. What things that does God have in himself that he does share with us or he does impart to us or are part of our makeup as human beings? We can go through it list by list or point by point, uh, as far as the communicable attributes, but 
what I've been recommended to by a fellow uh, friend of mine is let's see how the Imago Day culminates what we could maybe uh, describe as the attributes that are communicated to mankind. What is the image of God that we were created in? Uh, we have in we have in Genesis that's the first time the image of God is really spoken of. Uh, One twenty six in the creation of mankind, it says, "Then God said, Let us make man in our image." according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So the image of God is, is how God describes his own creation of mankind. It was done in his image, in his likeness, and it's not described more than that, at least in that section. So reading scripture will teach you and show you what this is, but we know that the New Testament always does a great job at clarifying things that we didn't understand as well from the Old Testament because mm-hmm. it's shadows. It's it's just a, it's a, it's a gloomy version of what we see in the New Testament. It clarifies, brings light. Jesus literally brought the light and explained and declared the things that were murky or difficult to understand. So we have in the in the New Testament, we have allusions to how the image of God is restored through salvation, that we, we find ourselves once again walking as we ought to, thinking as we ought to, doing and speaking and believing as we should. So that's a part of, at least, if not the entirety, that's a part of the image of God. And I want to say it's a part of it because when we look at Genesis 9, 5 to 6, this is after the fall, this is after um, after the the flood. And then we have here verses five to six reading, surely I will require your lifeblood from every beast. I will require it. And from every man, from every man's brother, I will require the life of man. Whoever sheds man's blood by man, his blood shall be shed for in the image of God, he made man. So God is describing here that even though we have sinful mankind, we have Adam and Eve, they already sinned, they already fell away, we had Cain and already killed Abel, we have the, the de- declaration in Genesis 6 of how evil and wicked every thought in the heart of man really is. And then we have the flood, and everything takes that out. And this is a new declaration. This is a, a, a new conversation that God is having with Noah. And he's explaining this is how things will go. So if someone kills somebody because that person's been created in the image of God, that that person must also suffer a death penalty. That person might might also suffer at the cost of their own life. But God is speaking about mankind after Adam and Eve, after the sin, after the fall, after all those things. So if we know that some people might teach, you know, the image of God was lost, it was corrupted entirely at the moment of Adam and Eve's sin, well, the Bible here describes a different picture. It describes that in some way the image is still retained. Maybe not as clean, it's corrupted, it's distorted, distorted, Mm -hmm. but it's there. And it's restored in Christ because we see in the New Testament there's allusions to salvation and the image of God being restored. So I wouldn't wouldn't go as far as saying um, the image of God is only or all of the Christian principles or Christian graces, you're walking in patience, love, kindness, you're walking in those mercies, you're walking in those graces. I wouldn't say that's the entirety of the image of God because 
these people were just flooded and eliminated for all of their evils. They weren't walking Christian graces, and yet from them still came those that were created in the image of God. So God just created mankind and didn't didn't make it impossible for the image of God to remain there. He's always showing himself forth in his creation. Um, so yeah, that's what we have for the Imago Dei. The, and, and our, what I'm understanding is that our, the application that we can have for ourselves as far as Imago Dei, the image of God, is different uh, from what Christ had. Because Christ is the express image of God. But he has it through direct equal relation to God. We have it through imitation. We have it through following God, obeying him. We don't have it on our own, like as if we are the perfect image of God. We are, we are torn. We are battered. We are sinful. We have inclinations that are wrong. But what I'm seeing is that a lot of people are confusing that, and they sometimes try to teach that you can, you can be so much um, in in obedience or in faithfulness to God, that you are now like a little Jesus. Yeah. We we have it as um, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. We we have it as as Paul said. As Paul said, "Imitate me as I imitate Christ." We don't have it in Christ's perfect perfectedness. Yeah, His righteousness because He is truly God and truly human. You know, at yeah. the same time, He is the God Man. So His righteousness and His likeness is perfect. Ours is an imitation in the fact that it is through redemption that we are now in the image of if in the likeness of God through the by the Holy Spirit by the grace of God through faith all of this happens through regeneration by the Holy Spirit that is where our likeness of God yeah. becomes whole I guess if if I can say I don't know if I can say whole um right right yeah right yeah uh, because it's not whole until glory glory yeah. Until the sinful body's done away with. Yeah, that that's what I was I was gonna mention. It's we are enabled through the Holy Spirit. That's where God imparts his Holy Spirit in us, is where he 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 shares his attribute with us. Um Romans eight twenty six says, In the same way the spirit also helps us uh, in the same way the spirit also helps our weakness for we do not know how to pray as we should but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groans uh, too deep for words and so even down to to our prayers the holy spirit helps us and and it enables us uh, uh, to be able to one communicate with god and in the same way it, it enables us to to walk our christian walk uh, and, and our own christian attributes and it's done through the holy spirit um and people do take it the wrong direction yeah and that's where you hear a lot of the 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 little g god uh yeah. preachings and and then you hear a lot of the people they say that you can declare things to that you can do you know you could declare healing you could declare your miracle and it'll happen the very a next day a lot of day. people go as far as saying that you you now have authority over the holy spirit yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. oh yeah, yeah absolutely yeah and and then because they have said authority then they they, that's where you see in the hyper charismatic movement they'll uh, lay hands and they'll cause people to fall on the ground and shake and and, and rumble and whatever and side note side note on on that verse itself where it says and um, could you read that again the holy spirit and the groans part uh-huh. uh uh 
In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans too deep for words. I, I heard, a, uh, I was listening to a message from Paul Washer, a great expositor, by the way, uh, if you guys are listening and, and uh, need to know where to start. I started with Paul Washer. Um, uh, actually, I, I had been listening to Paul Washer for many years, um, just never really understanding him until now. Um, by the grace of God, but he, he was talking about, a uh, he was giving an example of one time he was out, um, doing missionary work and he was just broken hearted about something that had happened and he didn't know how to pray. So he, he was just crying and, and just groaning, you know, and, and he didn't know how to put his words in prayer, but he was giving an example as that's where the Holy Spirit communicates and, and, um, um, what's, what's the word, uh, intercedes on our behalf right. to God the Father um, because we have no words it, it, there, there does come a point where we're praying and we don't know what to say we're brokenhearted or, or, or whatever's going on in our lives and we don't know how to put that in words God the Father is still hearing your prayers through that you know mm-hmm. because we don't know we don't know how to put it out there but he, know, yeah. he knows our heart and being infilled by the Holy Spirit we have that that communication with with yeah. God. And I would add to that too. And the things that we want to pray for, I don't know if it's happened to any of you, but I know certainly in me when I'm praying and I want to pray for a certain thing or ask for something, the Holy Spirit, there's, there's a prompting in my heart and I do not say the words or, and I do not pray the, the, whatever it is that I think of, of asking at the time. And that's, that's something that you don't see a lot too. And, and, uh, and, uh, those types of teachings where they're telling you to declare things, it's like, God will also tell you no. It's like that thought is foreign. I was talking to a, a co-worker of mine, and she's Christian. And uh, uh, we were actually precisely talking about prayers and, and declaring. Like she really believes that you can declare things. And when I brought to her attention, like God has no obligation to to answer all your prayers with a yes, you know, just because you think it's good. It's like, what if God gives you the exact opposite? What, what are you going to do then? And that, uh, and I, and I saw it in her, in her head and, and just in her reaction that like, that was just a foreign thought to her. So to understand that, that we are not little G gods and that we do not command the Holy Spirit and we can't just bring things into existence because we're enabled by the Holy Spirit like because that really messes people up that puts a false expectation on people and and then people expect things to happen a certain way and when they don't that really messes up their their faith and their their walk it's like we we got to understand that we are enabled by the holy spirit um to walk in our christian graces the 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 way that god uh, commands us and it has to be according to scripture it has to be uh it it can't fall out of line with scripture because then it's something else at that point what uh what we're alluding to is john 10 i'll just read 29 and 36 this is jesus speaking my father who has given them to me speaking about the sheep his sheep the ones that he will save is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I showed you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you stoning me? The Jews answered him, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, and because you, being a man, make yourself out to be God. Jesus answered them, Has it not been written in your law? I said, You are God's. 
If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the Son of God? So that's the account. Jesus is pointing back to the law because he called himself, he identified himself as a son of God, and they're here, blas- and they're here blaspheming him, and they've done that regularly, but they rebuke him and they're ready to put him to death because they say, you can't call yourself God. He wasn't even answering that. He wasn't even answering the fact that they reject who he is and all the proofs. Like, he just made a side note, it seems, to say, okay, if that's the thing that's really messing with you, just the fact that I said that I'm, I'm related to the Father then just check this scripture. And as we can see, they still just mess up all the scriptures. Jesus just takes a side note saying, okay, I'm proving my deity. All my works prove it. My sheep, I'm the good shepherd. I give this entire speech. And the, the thing that you get out of it is that I said, I, uh, I and the Father are one. Like that's, that's the thing that's really messing with you. Um, so he refers them back to Psalm 82. And Psalm 82 is a short psalm. Uh, I'll just read it real quick. Verse 1 says, God takes his stand in his own congregation. He judges in the midst of the rulers. So that's that's who we're talking about, the rulers, the the, the people that had authority, people that had some sort of uh, influence over the lives and the government of the people of Israel, the rulers. He judges in the midst of the rulers. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Vindicate the weak and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and destitute. Rescue the weak and needy. Deliver them out of the hand of the wicked. They do not know, nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said, you are gods, and all of you are sons of the Most High. Nevertheless, you will die like men and fall like any one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for it is you who possesses all the nations." So the reference here is to the rulers. It's to, to, to the rulers of Israel who should have been doing well with mm-hmm. their responsibility, with their power, the capability. But instead, all they were doing was, I don't know, practicing favoritism, just doing everything wrong. And, and God was saying, I, I said you are gods. He's not saying capital G, God. He's saying just gods. And that, that could be a term used uh, for rulers as well. We have in uh, the word was Elohim. If we look at what the Hebrew word is for gods there, it's Elohim, but it's not just used uh, for the Lord God. It's also able to be used for magistrates. So here we have uh, in Strong's definition, we have rulers, judges, either as divine representatives at sacred places or as reflecting divine majesty and power. So that was the position that the rulers had. They were expected to point to God. They were expecting to carry out the judgments correctly. I mean, we just see how much how much of the law in, in Deuteronomy and Leviticus do you have to go through to realize God has a standard of how we should treat people, how we should behave, how we should make sure that we, we, we speak up for the poor, we speak up for the widow, we speak up for the marginalized, even for the, the stranger, the, the alien that comes in. Take care of them. Make sure that you treat them justly and with, with carefulness. But they were mistreating and misusing all of that. So we have in... In the New Testament, in John 10, the word that they're using is theos. And that's a term that could be used for God or a God when they do those references, but also for Lord or uh, some of the divinities, some of the rulers. So in the same way, we continue to have this misunderstanding because people immediately look at one word and they give it the single only definition they want to give it. But if you just take the context, you could see even in Psalm 82, the first thing that God says is, where is it? Psalm 82, the first thing that God says is he judges in the midst of the rulers. 
That's, that's who he's talking to. God takes a stand in his own congregation. He judges in the midst of the rulers. And then at the end of it, uh, the last verse says, Arise, O God, judge the earth, for it is you who possesses all the nations. Like, you're the one that rules over all of them ultimately, so if they're not doing right, you're going you're gonna to bring your justice to them. So when people look at it and say, I'm a little God, uh, I'm this, like, that, that is not, that is not a, a, a label of divinity. That is a label of authority among your people. That is a label of influence. And it was being misused and mistreated. So where we have here is some people are saying, hey, you know, when you become a Christian, you're like, you become like a little God, you become this, it's like we're, we're, we're really playing around a lot with, with the wrong terminologies and we're lifting ourselves up. And I think it's very easy to do that when you have pride and you don't have to be like this overtly proud person. You could just be a normal human being. We suffer with pride every day. I think anybody can admit that like, hey, pride is just a regular thing that needs to be humbled for all mankind. Yeah. Some people are probably living it out like on a on a high hill and everyone sees it. But some people, you know, you don't have to be this arrogant, just outwardly arrogant person to be proud. Yeah. And the pride is the center of it. Like that's that's in our hearts. We have that. So if someone comes to you and tells you when you become a Christian, you got some superpowers, you're going to feed that person's pride. Mm-hmm. And now if they're going to see one verse taken out of context, they're going to start believing things about themselves. But the problem is we, we've done two episodes on the incommunicable attributes. Those are things that God does not share with mankind. He doesn't mm-hmm. share with mankind the, the power to create with words. He just doesn't give you that. There's nowhere in Scripture that God give, gives mankind the ability to do that. He even, uh, he even when somebody can take Ezekiel's prophecy when, when he's looking at the Valley of Bones and God is bringing about this image of what salvation is going to be, that God sends these four winds uh, from the corners of the earth and he, he brings this valley of dead bones together piece by piece until it's a standing army. It is by God's power. The, the imagery is the wind. And we know in the New Testament, Jesus speaks about the wind. You don't know where it goes. You don't, you know, it comes from where it goes, but you see the effect. You hear mm-hmm. the sound. Salvation is that way. It's, it's a spirit-accomplished work. But that wasn't Ezekiel using superpowers, sending these winds, and creating life out of dead bones. That wasn't, that wasn't what was happening. Well, you've been seeding the question there. Yeah. Can these bones live? Only you know. You Lord. know. Yeah. yeah, there was no... There it was, was not like, from him. It was not, you know, him standing on the cliff and saying, get up. You know, it's just... Yeah. it's He was just literally doing what the Lord had told yeah. him, mm-hmm. you know, which, once again, you take it out of context. There's a lot of people today um, that will... There's there's some type of desire to... to In a lot of men, a lot of uh, people that preach these types of things to have... Uh, this result and once again it goes back to all the examples that we've been talking about it's a pride aspect Mm. it's I'm the top dog here or I have this title here or it's me here and so now I'm supposed to be the one that's supposed to be like a new Moses Mm -hmm. and I have to do uh, I have to have my Moses or Jesus moment where I do a miracle or I do something so that way I can confirm my ministry when which that's not that's not the point of it and so that's why people get so mixed up I mean I was thinking about it um you know, when you guys were talking about uh, how, well, number one, <clears throat> how the Lord is talking to the judges, right? They had that issue there. Uh, it's it, Those are the things that he doesn't share. Some of the other issues, and I'll just bring this up. I don't want to take it out of context, but it just comes to my mind because we always deal with it, is when we talk about Matthew 18. 
Matthew 18, uh, we've kind of talked about where two or three are gathered in my name and everything. Oh, yeah. And then we come to uh, verse 18, right? Verse 18 of chapter 18 of Matthew. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Yeah. And then obviously we go into where the two or three are gathered. It's talking about discipline. But if we were to look at, at, just for this example, right, let's look at, it, look at it in this aspect, because the Lord is giving them authority f- for what type of situation? A disciplinary situation. But when we take it out of context, so many people use this to try to feel like, well, I have the Holy Spirit, so now, for example, for example, uh, my name is LJ, right? But mm. I'm LJ, but I'm as Jesus now. Yeah, because I have the Holy Spirit. And I've heard that. I heard and, that I, and and yeah. and I'm and be, and where I come from, I'm culpable of that. You know, I I am. I used to make that mistake because that's what was put upon you, trained upon you. I heard a preacher say one time that uh, Jesus was the incarnation, and now I am the incarnation. Yeah. I'm like, really? If you really think about that, we don't understand who God is and what authority He gives us. This is a this is a basic scripture in Matthew 18. Very basic. Why? It's just simply stating that they have authority from the Lord for disciplinary purposes. Nothing more. Not creative miracles like people like to state it and make up that that we we uh, declared a creative miracle and an arm grew. Mm-hmm. You know, like you see a lot of these things in in uh, unfortunately in uh, areas where people are in poverty. Um, a lot of witchcraft is going on. The most need. They're looking for what just anything. Like you see them, like you see in Africa, you see it in other nations. Uh, a long time ago, I shared a video on Facebook, and Andrew like gave me a comment, and he's like, "You know what? That's fake," you know. And it, it, it turned out to be like some lady where she would have this oh, issue with her arm, her. and she would just, you know, she would just practice it all the time, like it was slowly growing, you know. So in reality, when we go back to these types of things and you take it out of context. The God is not going to give, he didn't even give per se. He didn't give permission to the apostles to do whatever they wanted to do. He gave them authority and the things happened to show that their ministry was confirmed, that they had been selected by Christ. But when we look at it here, the, the, we have to understand that the most basic thing we can learn from here is that the apostles, they had their calling as apostles, mm-hmm. but there's no more apostles. Right. There's, we, we know the requirements. They had to have seen Jesus. They had to resurrect the, uh, have a resurrection of the dead. There's, there's these different things that they had to, to follow and do in order for them to be called apostles. They had to have seen Jesus. So I've never seen Jesus. Right. You know, so, so and I don't want to jumble my words, but if I go back to this, this is the first thing that comes to my mind when people think that they have a type of authority that they don't have. It doesn't matter your title, how much time you've been serving the Lord. At the end of the day, all of us are have that that responsibility of sharing the gospel of yeah. uh, in the way that God calls us to, right? Uh, to serve the Lord, to be faithful to the Word of God, and to not fall into a lot of these mystical things. And that's where you get unhealthy churches that are looking for, uh, how did John MacArthur state it? Uh, yeah. Doubt. Um, um, yeah, it's it's the it's, char- they call it faith. What is it? The charismatic movement is doubt looking for proof. Doubt look exactly, and and when you have you know if 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 a miracle really happens, or if you say that you have the authority that you say that you have, okay, if it's going to be a miracle, fine. Let the let the you pray for somebody that has cancer, and you you go up and down saying that it's healed. Go to the doctor the next day. Yeah, what are you scared? Mm-hmm. Of? You know what are you scared yeah. of? And that's you know that's just a little bit. 
uh, of the things that I get from these ideas. Yeah. And when we go back into the, the little gods thing, we are not God. Going back to what you were saying at the beginning, Jesus Christ is God manifested in flesh. We are not God manifested in flesh. That's why he, uh, being the Son of God, being with the Father in all eternity, in uh, putting himself in a body to to veil his glory, to mm-hmm. be around us, that's a whole nother situation that we can't even begin right. to understand. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, just adding to that, you know, people that, that believe in the, the little G God or that they have the power, they're, they're looking for signs and wonders. Like what we were talking about with the quote with John MacArthur, they're looking for these signs and the, these wonders where with the apostles of your look, they're not looking for signs and wonders. Mm-hmm. It's like you said, it, it 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 happened. It verified, you know, their 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 ministry, but they were set on the word. They were set uh, on what Jesus had already done and what Jesus had taught them, and they weren't they weren't looking for for the miraculous. Well, I know we understand Mark sixteen, right? Mm-hmm. We understand that the original manuscripts. We've we've seen that before, and once you read through it, right, we can say, you know what? Well, from verse nine and on of chapter sixteen. Um, we notice that there's a difference in how the how the, the writer, how it's written, the way that it's carried out, right? Mm-hmm. But even even at that aspect, let's let's take a look at that when it starts going into and these signs shall follow those that believe. We can yeah. connect it to different things, right? But if we were to use that, what is it, what does it say? And these signs follow. Mm-hmm. You're not making it up. You're not trying to yeah. conjure it up. You're not trying to get music going. You're not trying to make some type of they these signs followed the apostles. Yeah, I mean, you had even had one point. Uh, I can't remember if it was Peter or Paul. Uh, I believe it was Peter, right? Whenever his shadow, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, his shadow would fall on people that be healed. He yeah. wasn't. I he, mean, if you read in the scripture, it's not saying that Peter was like trying to run and cover everybody with a shadow. <laughs> yeah. It was just simply that he would walk by and the things would happen. He was yeah. not trying to declare or decree or he. I mean, him being. Uh, the one that Jesus chose to be a type of leader of mm-hmm. the apostles, not even he was trying to do anything like that. So it's, yeah. it's when we look at um, this little God's thing, I think if you go all the way back to Genesis, uh, the scriptures say, let us make man in our own image, in our own likeness. And I think one of the worst um, examples that I ever heard, I'm pretty sure you might have an ex- example for us later, but it's Creflo Dollar. Uh, when he oh, says that, yeah. you know, if uh, if if two dogs get together, they make a dog. A dog yeah. If two cats get together, well, when the Godhead gets together, what do they make? Gods. You yeah. know, it's like, this is, number one, it's ridiculous. It's blasphemous, you yeah. know, what they're, what they're saying. But in reality, a lot of people, they have the same mindset because they think, well, Adam, he lost his authority. And so now through the Holy Spirit, I get back my authority if I do such and such and such. Yeah. There is true a, a certain aspect of truth to that, but it doesn't mean that now uh, I'm going to be God on earth now. Yeah. The Holy Spirit does not give me permission to become Jesus again. I'm not Jesus. Yeah. I'm just a son of God. That's it. Yeah, and even in those beliefs, they won't flat out, and some of them, they won't flat out say, I'm a little G God, but yet they expect to do things that only God would do. Exactly. Yeah, so they, they won't say, I'm, I'm God, but they'll say, I can declare these things and these things are going to have to happen. You know, it, it's like it and it all circles back to pride and just uh, bad teaching, false teaching, whatever you want to call it. And it's it all stems from what God actually does share. And he does share 
his spirit with us, the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit. It enables us to to walk our fa- our Christian life, and it seals us for for the for the day of redemption, yeah. for the the that final day. And if we look at it, ultimately, what is the what is the um, the Holy Spirit's um, uh, ministry role? What's his role? Mm-hmm. To have us go back to Christ, go back to Christ, yeah. go back to Christ. Yeah. You know, it's not. It's never about us. Yeah. And growing up, you think about those things now. You know, you're like what was I thinking before? Like I would hear preachers say that, you know, uh, I have, once again, I go back to the bad example, but my name is such and such, Jesus. You know, like, no, no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're the, the only thing that God has given us permission is to uh, to become children of God, yeah. not to become other gods. Uh, John one twelve. but as many as received him, whoever received Christ as Lord and Savior, um, to them, he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Yeah. So that that entire, um, I'll say, the, the false teaching that occurs or the erroneous teaching or the heretical teaching, let people classify it based on how it's done, it, it's like it makes people want so badly for things to be super that that a biblical Christian life in comparison to the wrong expectations, could look um, uninteresting to some people, because they're looking for, they're looking for okay, they're looking for a slain spirit. You're not going to get that in a church that's handling it biblically. You're not, because the Bible doesn't ever talk about that. There's never a single occurrence of that, and there's never people being out of their mind or out of their right behavior in any worship, because worship isn't about you. It's about God. So you're never going to see anybody slaying the spirit. You'll see that in, in, in Hinduistic practices. You'll see that at their altars. You'll see people speaking in tongues, nonsensical tongues, and you'll see people falling out and having drapes laid on them in Hinduism right mm-hmm. now. So you're not going to see that in biblical Christianity. But when that's what you're expecting, and then someone says, hey, this scripture doesn't mean that. They're going to say, oh, man, you don't know what the Spirit is like. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, let's look. Let's look real quick. Just just since you referenced it, Matthew 18, the start of that context is verse 15. Mm-hmm. Then we'll get to verse 18. Mm-hmm. Matthew 18, verse 15 to 20. I'll just read it. If your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if it does not listen to you, take one or two more with you, so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. If he refuses to listen to them, Tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Again I say to you, that if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I'm there in their midst." This is all about solving disputes and sin in the church. If anyone sins against you, bring it up to them. If they're arrogant, say, hey, brother, like, this is sin. This isn't like you, you're, you're, you're sinning, like you're still in it. I got I to gotta bring in a few more people. Hey, this is what happened. That's what happened, guys. Like, and then if he's arrogant, it's like, let's bring in the pastor. Because if you keep doing this, this is sin. You're not repenting of it. You're going to pollute the church. You can, you can twist up things. You can ruin relationships. All of that is talking about being bound on earth and in heaven is 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 a command saying the apostles are being given the authority to teach 
with binding uh, capability what the what the liberating and what the what the uh, unforgiving aspects are to the Christian relationships. So if someone does repent, then you can say, "Hey, according to God's word and according to your repentance, you're forgiven. You don't have to walk around with this dark cloud around your head. You're forgiven because mm -hmm. God says if you come and repent and you're right and you really do, then your sins are forgiven." That's what God says, according to his word, because they were the ones that carried out the teachings and explanations of what Christ taught them for three and a half years in private and public ministry. Mm -hmm. But if, if someone says, I don't repent, it's like, don't, don't walk around with confidence and a, and a light, light feather-like feeling like you have, you have relational or in time sort of condemnation over you. Like you have a, you have a, a an unfavorable stance before God at this moment. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, if you're a Christian, that doesn't mean you're going to hell, but you can ruin and make shipwreck of your faith. Yeah. Like you can damage the experience that you have. You can damage the glory that should be going towards God, and you can ruin the relationships around you. So it's still bound. Yeah. It's not loosed. You're not free uh, to walk in liberty right now and, and joy. You should you should be in a repentant state. Like it's, yeah. it's literally that. Yeah, but it, people look at it saying, I bind, I lose Satan. Just like MacArthur said, come on, who's then if if you're binding him, who keeps setting him free? Yeah. It makes yeah. so much sense when yeah. you just look at the context. But Amazing people are that. taught that. Well, yeah. if you if you look at it too, and I'm sorry, I just yeah, yeah I just, go ahead. It's a, it's just a thought. I mean, here in this in this passage, Jesus is not giving his his disciples this. This doesn't mean that they he's he's not giving them free run at anything they want to declare and decree. He's setting the standard. And he's saying, this is about discipline. And that's, this is what Jesus is saying to his disciples. Yeah. He's not giving them permission to say, he, it, we just don't have this random verse that says, and anything you bind. So, you know, you can bind, you can tell this or that. We, we, the reason I think that happens is, we'll see what Jesus does, right? Like, for example, the fig tree. Yeah. He curses the fig tree. Comes back a day later, the fig tree's uh, dead. Yeah. So people take these scriptures out of context. They're like, oh, well, I can do this because now I have the Holy Spirit. So I become the incarnation. I become a type of Jesus. Well, that's not really what scripture's told. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, if we were to look at the context here, this is actually a practice that's already done, but he re he renews the practice for the church. Mm -hmm. Because what else does Jesus say in a, in a different context uh, when they ask about Jesus and how he's doing these things or where he gets the authority, right? Well, at one point he says, I won't tell you when they ask about John. But then there's another uh, portion where he says um, uh, that uh, according to your your law, you, uh, there's two there's two witnesses, and they, you can correct me, but it's two mm -hmm. witnesses, there's two or more witnesses, right? And he was talking about him and the Father, mm -hmm. You know, and so yeah. and so it's kind of like the same type of understanding. He's reestablishing already an old uh, covenant practice again, but for the church. Yeah. That where the two two or three are gathered in His name for a disciplinary purpose, where you have to make a uh, a difficult decision to say, you know what, you are not rep you are repentant. We have to we have to separate you from the church. Yeah. Because that's a difficult decision right. to do for that aspect. So you know that once again, Scripture is so clear. And this is not a pun, but it's black and white, okay? Because I know you like my puns, but it's it is it is, it is black and white. I mean, it is just not because of the yeah. You like that Carlos one? Okay, good. <laughs> hey, you can you can add a little edit in there if you want, but but it really is just very clear. Jesus gives the instructions on what we to do for for disciplinary purposes. Then he gives them the authority, just like anybody else, and on a normal basis would have. The, if you're a boss, 
you have your CEO or you have somebody in charge of you, hey, this is your job to discipline the employee. Right. It's the same thing, but this is for the church. There's no, yeah. I, I'm not going to uh, uh, to be like you know supposed faith healers and just call something out because anything that I bind in heaven, that's not how it works. Right. That's the that's out of the context. Well, if you really think real quick, no, if good. you really think about it, comparing what's being taught by some uh, false teachers and some heretical teachers, because this is false. This makes God's word false. Um, to to completely go into the spiritual authority over devils, angels, and diseases from what should be church discipline, that's not an accidental step. Like that's an intentional out of context. Yeah. Like that that's yeah. a that's a hyper view of, of some scripture. Like you you look at it and you just you just mysticize it and you're like, okay, this verse, wow, I'm I can. It's like it's a complete it's like reading and forgetting everything that comes right before it. Every yeah. verse is a brand new verse to you. It's like reading with amnesia or something. Mm-hmm. Like you really have to try to be that far out of context. Uh, or you have to be taught to view it that way, and then you highlight it, underline it, and every verse on top or bottom that isn't highlighted, you don't even read those anymore. Yeah, yeah. Like that's what that's people so are true. doing. It's like they're just, they're just, they just love their verses, just mm-hmm. their, those few verses. But it's, it's about the whole text because yeah. it all makes sense. Mm-hmm. You could take that out of context. I forgot, I forgot who said. You can correct me. I think, you, I think we might have talked about it. But when you have, so if you read the verse, you have to read the whole chapter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then in order to understand the whole chapter, you have to read the whole book. And in order to stand the whole the whole letter, you have to read the whole Bible. Yeah. It just goes from one thing to the other, and and that's why people will get upset with true studying of the Word of God because it's literally studying the whole thing. It's not just picking your scriptures, and that's why we have going back to what we're saying. We have so many movements that misunderstand the image that we were made in the image of God. Yeah. Um, you know, you have so many things that are heretical. I mean, you have people that make up doctrines of who God is by completely taking uh, the context of Genesis and saying, you know, well, I don't think that God is a trinity because I, I was made in the image of God, so I go to the mirror, I look at the mirror, and I just see one person, I don't yeah, see three. No. You know, it's just simple, ridiculous things uh, when we don't get into the Word of God and understand it in its context. And it's just like... Uh, I've learned my lesson with this. I think it's a dad thing. When you don't read the manual, you just look at the picture and you build the thing. Okay? It what works. happens? It, pieces. it gets worse and you're we missing we pieces. We don't need the manual. We have a manual in our family. <laughs> <laughs> my middle name's Emmanuel. So. <laughs> and so it's the same thing with the Word of God. You, you, you try to go forward and you have movements that are built on. You have... Uh, you have people, millions of people in, in that deny things that are scriptural or take simply out of context. And for the rest of their lives, they're going to be stuck in this thing just because you didn't go back to the Word of God and just take it in its context. And we live in such a time where people are so, uh, they're, they're looking for the, the, uh, the, the trance and all things. They're, they're not coming to church <clears throat> for a genuineness of understanding Christ, they're looking for an experience. Yeah, they they're want, looking. They want to feel God. They they. It's a new drug. It's, it's emotional it's just, high. It's it's an emotional high. It's like a an old preacher that I used to listen to. It's like uh, and and hopefully this is not an offensive thing, but you become like a spiritual druggie, you know, because you look for that, you desire that thing. Yeah. You can't sit through the word. You have to have an experience. Like me and Andrew talked a long time ago. Uh, you know, he was, he, he got home, from, uh, you, you were at church alone that one time, you got home and your wife asked you, so how was church? 
and then and then or no, actually it was backwards. Yeah. You asked your wife how church was how church went, and the only thing that that his wife said was about the altar call. There was like nothing about the word. There was nothing, you know. And so when we begin to learn and we see these things, we're like, wow, we used to just wait for an altar call to have some type of, I I have no idea what the, what the message was about. I have no, there was no, there's no growth. There is no uh, No, substance. There's nothing. There's no expositing. I don't understand more about this. All I understood was that I had some type of thing in my heart and I got it fixed because uh, I went to the altar, you yeah. know, and I'm not trying to disparage that. There, when you do things correctly, the those we would do it right. I'm not saying that that's wrong. I'm saying when your only expectation is, you know, uh, going to the altar and filling something, we don't have the understanding of Scripture, and that's where we have the trouble. Where we have people that are this this is so and so, and they have the image of God. They, you know, and they can call down things. They can declare things. They say. One word and everybody just starts speaking in tongues, or they just say, they just say, you know, how's everybody doing? And everybody's just falling out. It's like, it's a, it's, this is the wrong thing. And like you said earlier, people won't say it, but the way that they act, they treat people like if they're gods. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You were going to say? No, yeah. I was just going to say, it's amazing uh, how much you can learn when you read it in context. Yeah. When you take the before, the middle, and then the, the after part of it, you get a better understanding. And it's, because it is dangerous. You take one little verse. That's how we get all these movements. You take one verse and people run with it and they make churches. They make big uh, uh, organizations and uh, or just one mega church, you know, and, and you get a lot of. Uh, and I think that also, in, in a sense, I remember I heard um, there was a preacher. I don't even remember his name, but he was saying, like, how do you destroy the image of God? It's like, or no, how do you destroy God? And, and it's like, the answer is obvious. It's impossible to destroy God. He's like, absolutely. You can't destroy God, but you destroy God by destroying his image. And it's like, you destroy the, the people of God. And so the other people that when they see bad teaching, bad theology, you don't even got to be a believer, but people will, will be like, man, these guys are crazy. They're on the floor rolling around. There's all this shouting. There's all this uh, mayhem. I don't want anything to do with that. You know what I mean? Uh, it's a, you 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 destroy wh- what people believe about God, and and that's how you quote unquote destroy God. Even mm-hmm. though obviously we know God cannot be destroyed, but it's just it's it's amazing when you take things out of context uh, how far you can really really get with that, and 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 it just goes to. Uh, show and it really verifies the importance of actually putting in the work and reading scripture and and trying to understand it and 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 taking the whole thing i remember hearing a lot of times too it's like oh you don't need uh to understand the whole bible to 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 move in the power of god and it's like you you just need to to pray more and it's like there was this over emphasis mm-hmm. you know when, what i used to believe before the, the overemphasis on like the spirituality the praying the fasting and and even that like i understand that the fasting that i was doing then was not how i should have been doing it to begin with but there is there's this this emphasis on you got to pray and you got to declare and, and, and you got to make these things happen and and you're looking for that emotionalism mm-hmm. and one thing in my own life that i've uh I've noticed that, that that I noticed it's like when I was going to a hyper charismatic church, it's like I was able to feel God at the altar. But whenever I tried to get God to manifest in my room, it just it wasn't the same. And I couldn't. I'm like, why? 
And then I would even grab the Bible. I wouldn't even read it, but I would be like praying with the Bible in my hand, trying to like, maybe trying to do that whole, yeah. that, that meme. Yeah. Trying to watch the to just get the in words. my head. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, it, but it wasn't the same. And I'm like, wow. And, and that messed with me because I'm like, I am so wrong. I am just, and I mean, I am, I'm a sinner, but it, it was just, I would just like have this cloud over my head because I couldn't get the Holy Spirit to manifest the way I wanted to on altar calls. Well, it's like when you're a preacher, um, you have your so-called punchline when you are part of a charismatic movement. And, and the way that I bring this, the, the reason I bring this up is because just like you had that, you try to like, uh, how do you Activate say? It? The Holy like, Spirit. yeah, you have to. Oh my gosh, don't get me started. <laughs> oh, anyways, but when when you try to when you try to that that'll be my pet peeve. You, you hit the nerve there. But like when you try to um, conjure up or you try to recreate the moment, just like people try to recreate Acts two every single day or Sunday or Saturday, or whatever service people have. And they don't understand the the symbolism of it. They don't understand the context of it. They don't understand the reason for biblical tongues. They don't. It's all these things trying to be like a new. Uh, 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 we have the Holy Spirit, so now we're going to do the same thing. Or this is this is now the biblical practice of the Church of Acts has to be done every single day. When that's not the case, because. Yeah, it's called the Acts of the Apostles, mm-hmm. but really, if you read in the context of the of the the Book of Acts, it's the Acts of God. That's what it comes down to. It's not uh, that I guess whoever was naming the letters or whatever you want to, you know, how, however they came up to that. Maybe we that would have been something more appropriate to the acts of God, because really, from the beginning all the way to the end, it's all about God and how He acts and what He does. Yes, there's certain aspects of authority that are given to to to, to certain people, men. We have, uh, you know, the the different ministries. We have the what they call the fivefold ministries. Each of them in their context, in their place, in their time, for a specific purpose, and then that's it. You know, so what, you know, when, whenever we go back to, uh, to what I was saying, like that punchline thing is like, you would try to recreate something or re- recreate some type of experience. You're like, oh, this is a good part in the sermon. And I'm going to get here. And when yeah. I come to this piece, boom, I'm going to say it. And everybody's just going to start jumping and shouting. I'm like, now I think about it. I'm like, that's a game show. Like yeah. that, that's a, that's a movie. You're like the, the, the power of, of the Word of God is not in how you state it or express it or even has anything to do with you. It's just simply that the power of the Word of God is in itself because it's the Holy Spirit uh, that renews somebody, that regenerates somebody, uh, yes. regenerates, I'm sorry, regenerates somebody um, and, and, and brings them to an understanding that we're not able to do by our own way of, uh, I'm not going to do a work and then, oh, I'm renewed. It's not how it works. Going back to what you were saying about the way that the Holy Spirit moves. You don't know where it's coming, you know where it's going. That's the same way when somebody is reborn in the Spirit. You know, it's not, uh, it's, it, the book of Acts, I think, is, is probably uh, the, the book most taken out of context, as far as I know, mm-hmm. out of the whole scriptures. Because you see the signs and wonders, and it's beautiful, and it's wonderful, and you look at it in its context, and then some people have a problem because then you go into Romans, you go to Corinthians, you go all the letters, and they're like, okay, so how do I... But no, let's just stick to Acts. Where's you know, let's, the, let's just stick to Acts. Where, where's the Acts in the rest of the Bible? Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, and and that's, that's what it is. It's like everybody's trying to recreate an emotion. Everyone's trying to recreate an experience. Like we've often heard in preachers, we need to get back to when we first met God, to the love that we had for Him. We were 
we loved him so much that we were always crying we were always yelling we were always shouting we we're always running and and that's all it is everyone's just trying to get back to an emotion everyone's just trying to get back to 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 one moment where for where the emotion took over when you received christ because receiving christ and being regenerated yes it, it can very much be an emotional experience yeah. because you're literally we're not robots we're not ro- we're, we're you're literally being brought from death to life Torning yourself. i mean yeah paul washer puts it as you know the example i don't know if i'm sure you guys have heard it but <laughs> i use i've used it a few times um in in preachings and people are kind of like did you you really just call me a pig like because the 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 example is you know uh think about a pig down the down the hall and and you got some trash here you got some good food here the pig is going to run and run to the trash now imagine that that pig automatically turns into a human it's going to be embarrassed it's going to want to come over here it's going to be and and then he says and that's i just described your conversion you went from something dirty something nasty to something wholesome something good something great and 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 that's that that's exactly what regeneration is we go from death to life and that can be an emotional experience you can cry i often do when i think about the goodness of god and the grace that he's had over me me too the fact that like i i i know how i was i know how i am now that i'm not perfect and i'm not holy issue in fact today this morning when i was praying i was like oh my god you know, you could have loved anyone, yet you love the sinner, this wretched man that I am, and 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 I'm grateful that that you've elected me. I'm grateful that you've loved me, and I get emotional, and 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 then I get late to work, and <laughs> <laughs> but it's my last two weeks. I don't care. <laughs> but but it is. But but everyone wants to recreate what acts is. Yeah, because if because if you recreate what Acts is, then you don't have to read the rest of Scripture. Yeah. You don't have to Ooh. read Paul and his rebuke to the churches who were, in a sense, recreating Acts. Yeah, mm-hmm. can't and, keep laying the foundation. And yeah. it's it's I mean the Act uh, the Book of Acts it has its purpose, and it fulfilled its purpose. Yeah. I mean it, it tell it, it it's very simple. It's not about recreating the situation. It's about seeing how God moved in the church, and in at first was we can see how the church itself, at moments, is very unhealthy. I mean, you have people lying to the Holy Spirit and dying. Mm-hmm. I mean, you <laughs> you have uh, you know you have crazy situations where you have one man that's just completely against uh, God, uh, completely against Jesus Christ, and going everything against uh, Jesus Christ, and all of a sudden, just this flip happens, and now he's one of the the biggest uh, speakers of the Word of God, greatest evangelist, one ever. of the greatest evangelists ever. I mean, it's like you, you see these things. Um, you know, the issue is is not can God do these things? He can. Is He going to do these things? We don't know. He already did these things because they had a specific purpose. It's like Adam and Eve is not, that's not going to happen again. Mm-hmm. It's like going back to okay, if we have all this power that we say that we do. And people are saying that they have created, okay, I want you to go back to the Red Sea and go split it again. Mm-hmm. That was a specific purpose. Acts 2 had a specific purpose. The speaking of tongues, uh, which was an actual language, had a specific purpose. Cornelius and his family uh, receiving the Holy Spirit, and they went through the same thing, just like um, you know Peter was saying that he received the Holy Ghost just like we did. 
We go back, what is it saying? It was languages. It was for them to preach the gospel. And, and that's, that's the issue, I think, that we can all say that ties into this little God's doctrine uh, and mis- misunderstanding what attributes we do have with God and the mm-hmm. attributes that we attributes excuse me that we don't have yeah and and that's that's really hard for somebody to accept when you are taught or you feel like well I have this the Holy Spirit and I have this like energy in me well number one if you think that's the Holy Spirit you need to go back to the scriptures and you need to pray yeah mm-hmm. do you really have the Holy Spirit or do you just do you think the Holy Spirit is just for you to feel good you know or is Holy it just Spirit. an energy and it's not it's a it's a person mm-hmm. it's the Holy Spirit who can be grieved. Who has a will? Who distributes the gifts to the church as he pleases? He's the he, other the helper. Holy Spirit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He is the one that uh, guided the apostles because Jesus said, "You know, I'm going away, but I'll send you another helper, and he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, that he will speak." Uh, so, I mean, <laughs> Holy Spirit, he is literally hearing from, I'd say, the Father. Um, yeah. And delivering to the apostles so they can continue their ministry after Jesus ascended, um, we have we have a high desire for things to be fantastic and things to be awesome and really magical. And the world is, I, I think, maybe right now we can notice uh, the world is very obsessed with magic. I, maybe it was always obsessed, but it's just like everything is coming out now. Everything's it's more magic. visible. You could see it. Yeah, now. there's there's like witchcraft in every single way. There's uh, popular witchcraft. Every movie has some sort of magic in it, and yeah. I like I like superhero stuff. So there's gonna be some sort of magical elements to that. But then just straight up just witchcraft. Yeah. Uh, and it's like those are the cartoons, those are the movies, those are the toys. Um, there's kids versions of the tarot cards. There's kids versions of the Ouija board. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's really right there, uh, and it's everywhere. And people want. So we got that ideology coming into the church through. This uh, New Age mysticism version of Christianity where, you know, you can command things, you can actually speak words of affirmation, and you can make your reality what you want it to be. You can pull the Joel Osteen and start saying, I'm forgiven, I'm rich, I'm this, and it's just going to come your way. You can pull an Oprah Winfrey and speak things into existence. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you can just get on the train with all these things. But usually the people that are seeking the hyper stuff, the, the extra biblical stuff, the stuff that is out of context and they're trying to apply to their life now, they might very well also, my concern is they might very well also be the ones that actually do follow the beast one day if they're not saved. Mm. Because only those that aren't saved and only those that aren't chosen by God, only the those that are not the elect will end up following the beast. Mm-hmm. Uh, God's going to send a great delusion and anyone that has not received uh, the lamb, that has not received Christ and the gospel, they will be marked in their forehead and they will receive the mark of the beast. That's just revelation. So yeah. if you don't follow Christ, you will not have like a middle ground to stand on. It's either Christ or judgment. Uh, but Second Thessalonians also in verse uh, chapter two, verse eight to ten, it, it speaks a little bit about that, about the the false uh, prince of peace or or um, the one that's going to come as the false antichrist. So verses eight to ten says, "Then that lawless one will be revealed." whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. That is, the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders, and with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. 
there is going to be someone that's going to come in such power. And it's going to be false, meaning it doesn't point to the truth of God. It is angelic power. It is some sort of uh, supernatural power. It is some sort of wonders and signs, but it's not true. It isn't actually saying this is the grace and goodness of God. It's, it's a deception, but it's there. And what I think is that a lot of these false preachers right now, who is it? Was it, uh, was it Paul Washer? He said uh, something along the lines of uh, all these false preachers and all these false teachers, yeah. they're the judgment of God. Mm -hmm. uh, like people that want those ears tickled, God's going to raise up someone to tickle those ears yeah. as judgment. So we have popular preachers that are lying about God and his word, about what to expect out of the Christian life. I really feel like they're kind of preparing the masses. They're really popular. They're kind of out there everywhere. Their books are, are filling the bookshelves. I mean, I, Christian books. Yeah. In our, in our library, or I've, I've never been to the actual book section in our big library here, but I was there last week, and I checked it. There was probably maybe a handful of good theology, uh, Calvin's Institutes, uh, Matthew Henry's Commentary, just a few. Everything else was trash, all of it, but it was popular. It was like mm -hmm. 50 books from T.D. Jakes, 10 books from Paula White, uh, yet yet Beth Moore all over the place, jo Joyce Meyer. You, you have all this stuff that empowers mankind to think that they are some sort of god, because they're in the hand of God. Mm -hmm. Now they become God, or they've got like the spirit that flows in such a way into them that now they can perform miracles and they can walk around and, 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 and forge their own destiny as they please. And God just has to answer with an amen, yes. Uh, but it seems like they might very well be the ones that really fall into that ultimate trap. And I don't know who that false prince of peace is going to be, um, but kind of look at it like that's God's promise. These false signs and wonders are going to be in the cord with the activity of Satan. Mm -hmm. And if anyone handles biblical Christianity and, and, and knows what the Christian life is, it never talks about walk, uh, walk in supernatural powers. Mm -hmm. it, that's never a command in Scripture. So if someone says, you know, uh, these are the communicable attributes, God gives me everything Jesus has. No, he doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't. He, you cling to Christ, yeah. and he carries you through in, in, in humility, in valleys, on hills, ups and downs, like you go through a pruning process you yes. go through uh, a cleansing you, you you're washed by the water of the word like you're taught how to follow and obey god all of this doesn't look as 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 magnanimous as some people expect it to be but yeah. we have i mean we have david what miracles has he ever performed what miracles did he see he saw god ruling over his work and over his duty and, and giving him favor in battles and in fights mm-hmm but he did not see the sorts of miracles that mm -hmm. sometimes people think that if they're closer to God, they should. It's like, well, that, that's somebody that wrote scripture. Yeah. So if we want to like try to usurp that and say, well, well, I can have miracles and he can't. It's like, look, he wrote scripture. Yeah. If someone that writes scripture doesn't have to see miracles in, in that essence that we're expecting, then, then we shouldn't be striving for that. Mm -hmm. We should be striving for I, what does the I Bible say? I don't remember say? who said, but in the Old Testament, we don't find as many miracles as you might think. Yeah. Yeah. It's an eye opener. It's two it's two time periods. It's it's two major time periods. Time of the law through Moses and the time of the prophets, Elijah and Elisha. That's it. Yeah. That's it. That's that's the two periods. And then you have Christ. Three periods in all of history. Right. That's it. The law, the prophets, and Christ and and, and the canon of scripture being brought in. Why are we trying to reestablish something that God doesn't always do? Mm -hmm. Never promised he would do. Because I'll be worried about your soul. Why you still be doubting you got a soul? Like you need to see to believe these things. But you believe things that you've never seen. Like feelings and hopes and dreams. The future emotions and gravity. And